The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 14. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal, Season 14, your penultimate episode, Episode 9. And both this episode and next week's finale... I have been holding on to for quite some time. And the reason being, one kind of leads in to the other. So I waited until I had both before releasing them one after the other. Now, I don't want you to be confused by that. These are two very much standalone episodes. Yet, they are about the same house, they involve the same family, and in my opinion, Although not required in the least, they are best listened to back to back. As you will hear, this week we hear from Jackie, somebody who needed to move following a divorce. Jackie is a believer in the paranormal. Her sister, Emma, is not. She is very much a skeptic. However, she moved into Jackie's home when Jackie left. And Emma's experience will be our finale. However, before we begin part one of two of the most interesting experiences I believe we've ever covered, we need to, of course, thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to our Patreon, not only will you receive all of our episodes, both ad-free and before everyone else, yes, that includes next week's finale and the season 15 debut, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which is released each and every Sunday of the year without fail even on the downtime between seasons. And with a break in seasons coming up, not only will you continue to get your weekly dark paranormal fix, but there are also well over 50 hours worth of Patreon-only episodes for you to go and binge. But truly, the best thing about our Patreon is the community itself. We have built a wonderful community 
of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like the following wonderful new team members have Tina Claycom, Chris Collins, Shamay, Haley Osland, Sharon M, Karen Bradley, Emma Grace Barrow, Ruby Cumming, Julini Clark, Michael White, Angela Rourke, Bree, Lucy Rosa, Matty, Chris, Jeanette R, Stephanie Fasano, May Chigarbo, Natalie Boys, Richard Welsh, Amy S, Peter, Raymond T, T Watcher, Mary L, Tara, Maggie, Simon Barr, and Elsie. Thank you so much, guys. Your support truly means the world. And if you like the sound of early ad-free releases and, of course, access to the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's time. Lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door. As we hear... All about The Unwelcoming, Part 1. Hi, Kevin. My name is Jackie. And if all goes as agreed, you should also be receiving an email from my sister, Emma. I'm a 44-year-old nursery assistant with a lifelong curiosity in the unexplained. I'm a fervent listener of your podcast, unlike my sister, Emma. I'm writing today to share an experience that's, well, profoundly shaken my entire understanding of reality. This whole ordeal began four years ago, at a time in my life when I was already in turmoil due to a heart-wrenching divorce. You see, for my 40th birthday, my ever-loving partner threw me a surprise party, which was wonderful. I got an extra surprise by finding him having sex with my best friend. Now, I don't claim to be the only one who's ever had their life turned upside down in such a way But when it happens to you, you truly have to find a way to start again. For me, that meant moving to a new town, albeit still a relatively close one so I could still be close to my family. Well, I found a lovely small terraced house, and I tried to start a blissfully happy new beginning. But I was blissfully unaware of the horrific journey I was about to embark on. In those first few weeks in the new home, it was a quaint refuge, a place of old-world charm, with its creaky floorboards and vintage aura. However, it wasn't long before this charm gave way to something more unsettling. The changes began subtly, an unexplained chill in certain rooms, doors appearing to close by themselves, faint sounds of movement in the night. I reassured myself it was the new house, well, new to me, just settling, 
or maybe a draft from an as-yet-unfound gap. But one evening, as I was curled up with a book in the living room, a sudden cold draft swept right through. It was inexplicable. All the windows were closed. And then the lights flickered, and they died for a few heartbeats, leaving me immersed in an unnerving darkness. When they flicked back to life, I was relieved, to say the very least, and then I noticed a picture on the wall was now hung upside down. It was a photograph of me and my sister Emma. Had I hung it that way and just not noticed? Surely not. Surely not. I try to dismiss these incidents, attributing them to the heartbeat of an old house. However, these oddities escalated. Objects began to move independently. For example, I watched in bewilderment as a cup slowly glided across the table. I watched a book slowly wiggle itself free and tumble from a shelf without any cause. Often my belongings were not where I'd left them. One night, as I lay in bed, trying to sleep, I saw strange floating lights. Small orbs that danced in the corner of the room. They moved in an eerie grace, defying any rational explanation I could muster. White, green, red, never touching almost like some invisible magnetic force was not only keeping them apart, but also keeping them rotating. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was not in a good place mentally. Both the shock of the divorce and the house move had thrown me into a spiralling depression. Although despite this, I've never been one to hallucinate, even in the peaks of stress. So these little oddities were certainly disturbing enough for me to begin to be concerned about the house in general. And my suspicions were realised one terrifying evening. It started like every other normal evening. I sat down with a ready meal ready to watch the TV. But the evening slowly spiralled into an encounter I will never forget. I was sat comfortably, engrossed in an episode of Desperate Housewives, and I was violently clutched by unseen hands, and I was dragged backwards in that chair with such force I felt as though I'd go through the back window. The air was thick with a menacing energy as I jumped out of the chair, the sound still echoing in my ears. In that moment, the world seemed to stand still, and I was consumed by an all-encompassing terror. My heart was pounding. My breath caught in my throat with fear. It was an unmistakable declaration 
that I was not alone and not welcome. Something or someone was with me, making its presence known in the most chilling way. I met my younger sister, Emma, 24, for a few drinks. Now, to say she's an unbeliever would be an understatement. I told her about the incidents, the picture, the chair, and she smiled through the lot and made fun of me. So you fell asleep in the chair and had a nightmare and jumped up? Wow! Was just one in a long line of tiring, debunking statements. Thankfully, we had quite a lot of alcohol to take the sting out of her remarks and also the edge off my anxiety. Sadly, that effect didn't last long. As in the days that followed, there was an escalation in activity. The shadows that had once been mere flickers in my peripheral vision began to take on a more ominous tone, a more ominous shape, appearing with greater frequency and greater clarity. They seemed to watch, to wait. They seemed to move with purpose, with apparent intelligence. I felt like I was being observed by some entity, like I was prey. When my sister Emma would come around, even she, despite her scepticism, could not ignore the tangible shift in the atmosphere. The way the air seemed charged with a silent, waiting anticipation. When she would come round to visit, I could tell by her face that despite her bravado, she knew something was not right with this place. Night after night, as I lay in bed attempting to find solace in sleep, a new development began. Above my head from the ceiling, scratching noises. Persistent and unnerving. They seemed to claw at the very edges of not just the attic floor, but my sanity itself. Initially, I tried to dismiss these sounds. Maybe it was rats. Maybe it was the house settling. But these sounds were too deliberate, too intelligent even, to be anything mundane. Driven by a mixture of fear and determination, I stirred myself and ventured into the attic one dreary afternoon. The space was partially converted, a limbo between the past and the present, filled with the remnants of lives long gone from previous tenants. Amidst the dust and the shadows, I found a box of old photographs. It was clear that these photos were of a married couple. They appeared to have no children, at least not in these photos. There was a wedding photo, another one of the same couple in their old age, taken at some sort of function. 
Him in a smartly dressed white suit with his matching white hair and trimmed white beard and his wife... A small metal door encased in the wall made a sound as if it had been opened and slammed shut. But I didn't see anything, even in my peripheral vision. And this tiny door was to my two o'clock position from where I was going through this box. So I should have seen something. I quickly scanned for any signs of rats, etc., but found no evidence of rodents. Only the now oppressive silence following the slamming of that door. This tiny metal door, embedded in the wall and barely a foot in height, sent a shiver down my spine. The door was cold to the touch, as I tried everything I could to open it. But it simply wouldn't budge. But this door felt like a barrier between me and whatever secrets lay beyond. Secrets that seemed to seep through its cracks. My first thought was that whatever was in this small cupboard was what was manifesting the disturbances that were plaguing my home. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The true terror of my situation became undeniably clear to me one winter morning. And, sincerely, nothing could prepare me for this. Being winter and early morning, it was pitch black outside as I locked the front door and headed to my car in the freezing cold. Starting the engine and letting the heating run for a while before I then set off for work. The streets were empty, save for the other early risers using public transport to get to work. It was then, reflected in the rearview mirror of my car, that I saw him. An old man with wild white hair and a yellow scraggly beard but there were no doubts about it. 
It was the man from the photographs in the attic. His eyes filled with an indescribable wild mix of sorrow and malevolence. For a fleeting moment, our eyes met in the mirror, and a cold dread engulfed me. As quickly as he appeared, he lunged forward, his face contorting as he did so. I felt two cold drafts pressing against my neck, as if the spirit was attempting to strangle the life from my body. Panic set in, and I came to an emergency stop in the middle of the road. My heart pounding against my chest as I struggled to breathe, to escape from the clutches of my ghostly assailant. Thankfully, there was no one else on the road, or I may not even be here to write this email. The experience left me shaken to my very core. It was a stark reminder that the entity in my home was not just a passive observer, but a malevolent force capable of reaching out. Not just from the shadows, but wherever I was and whenever it wanted. In the days that followed, a new sound began to haunt the confines of my home. A creaking like that of something swinging slowly from the rafters of the attic. This ominous sound would start as the daylight began to fade, picking up in volume as the night came in. You could almost set your watch to it. As the haunting intensified, so did my desire for answers. And they were presented to me in the most unexpected way, through a conversation with my new neighbour, a Mrs Aldridge, a long-time resident of the area. One afternoon, whilst hanging up my washing, she introduced herself over the fence and invited me into her kitchen to make full introductions. Over cups of tea... Filled with the comforting aroma of baked goods, she shared the story of my house's grim history. A tale that turned my blood cold. The previous owners were a Mr. and Mrs. Harrow. And they weren't just any ordinary couple. They apparently were borderline worshipped by the neighbourhood. Despite having no children of their own, their heart and home were always open, especially to Mrs. Aldridge's children. Their back garden became a haven of joy and laughter, with their back kitchen door perpetually ajar, welcoming any of the Aldridge children inside for a drink or a scone baked by Mrs. Harrow. She was an avid baker, apparently and the smell of her fresh-baked goods would act like the Pied Piper to Mrs. Aldridge's children. However, this idyllic existence was abruptly shattered by an unforeseen tragedy. Mrs. Harrow had begun to complain of persistent stomach pains. She underwent medical tests only to receive a devastating diagnosis. Cancer. Aggressive cancer. 
the sort of cancer that had spread extensively, leaving her with little time. Mrs. Aldridge recounted the events with a heavy heart, noting the rapidness with which the illness took hold. It was a shock to the entire community, but particularly to Mr. Harrow, whose descent into grief was swift and profound. The vibrant life they'd once shared, marked by open doors and shared joy with the neighbourhood children, came to a sudden halt. In the wake of Mrs. Harrow's passing, their open-hearted generosity began to change. The gate that Mr. Harrow himself had installed between their garden and the Aldridges, a physical manifestation of their open communal approach to life, was uncharacteristically closed. Not long after, under the cover of dusk, when the eyes and ears of the Aldridges were elsewhere, a padlock was secured to the gate by Mr. Harrow symbolising a shift not just in the physical landscape, but in the spirit of the Harrow home. Where there was once openness and warmth, there now stood a barrier, an emblem of Mr Harrow's overwhelming grief and his retreat from the world they once shared. Mr Harrow became a recluse. He became unkempt. The Aldridge kids, as they grew into teenagers, went from calling him a kind old man to the weirdo next door, as apparently his mental state declined further and further. From kicking the ball around with the kids, he'd become a curtain twitcher, a scowler. Mr Harrow, tormented with grief for his wife, met a tragic end in the very attic that loomed above my bedroom. You see, despair had driven him to hang himself, swinging from the rafters in a final act of surrender to his inner demons. That creaking sound I started to hear was my macabre echo of Mr Harrow's last moments a chilling reminder of the heartbreak, despair and change that that man had gone through. This new knowledge of the house's sombre past draped every corner of its interior and exterior in a perpetual gloom for me. My planned sanctuary, my planned refuge from the storms of my life, my fresh start had now morphed into a tableau of sorrow, loss and fear. The walls seemed to whisper tales of despair. Every room seemed to be a chapter of the story marked by the Harrow's heartbreaking tragedy. This profound shift in perspective, from seeing this house as a haven to viewing it as a hell, weighed heavily on my psyche. It was as if the air within had thickened with the sorrow of what I now knew. I found it difficult to breathe. 
I found it difficult to exist in that house with my newly unearthed horrific knowledge. It was around this time I'd started seeing a man, Billy. Billy was my literal knight in shining armour. Compelled by an urgent need to escape this oppressive atmosphere, I found myself spending more and more time at the house where Billy lived. His house became my refuge, a place where the shadows of the harrows couldn't reach me, where the air was lighter and the spectres of sorrow couldn't penetrate. Billy was the total opposite of everything my ex-partner was. Where deceit and betrayal had once darkened my doorstep, Billy brought sincerity, kindness and a loyalty that was unwavering. His honesty was like a balm to my scarred heart, offering a foundation of trust that I thought was irrevocably shattered. As for his stance on the paranormal and my encounters, well, Billy may not have been a staunch believer, but he believed me, and that was good enough. In a world where my experiences could have easily been dismissed, ridiculed or questioned, Billy's acceptance and support were invaluable. He didn't need to witness the shadows or feel the chill of an unseen presence to understand its impact on me. His belief in my experiences, in the authenticity of my fear and distress was a testament to his character. In him, I found not just a partner, but safety. One person who didn't share my belief, though, was my sister, Emma. She still made fun of the situation whenever we'd meet up. But on those occasions we did meet up, another topic kept raising its head. You see, Emma in her early 20s, was clashing with mum and dad in a bad way. She wanted her own place, independence. But like most young kids today, getting on the property ladder was nigh on impossible. And paying some private landlord's mortgage off for them meant any potential savings simply weren't going to happen. With 95% of my nights spent away from the house, the reality of my sister Emma's living situation kept coming up in our conversation. Emma, not the best at subtlety, kept saying, So, you know the way you've got an empty house, and I'm looking for somewhere to live? Well, I refused for quite a while solely out of concern for her, in regards to whom I now believe was Mr. Harrow. But she was insistent in her lack of belief in the paranormal, despite me telling her everything I'd went through. So, eventually, in a decision that weighed heavily on my conscience, I offered her the opportunity to move into that house. Her disbelief in the paranormal, coupled with her desperation to move out, 
meant she was over the moon. Brushing aside my warnings as mere superstitions. The day Emma moved in marked a new chapter in the house's history. Her initial scepticism shielded her from the fear that had once consumed me, allowing her to coexist with the unseen forces that lingered in the shadows. However, the house, with its creaking floors and whispers of the past, found a way of wearing down Emma's disbelief, of making sure its presence was felt. Having spoken with Emma, you should also be receiving an email very shortly from her describing what happened during her stay at that house. So there'll be no spoilers from me. However, I will say Emma is no longer a sceptic. Thank you for this wonderful safe space you've provided for people like me and my sister Emma to share our true paranormal experiences. Love, Jackie. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your experience, one of the most enthralling ones we've ever had. And to everyone, believe me, you will not want to miss Emma's email next week for our season 14 finale. Don't forget, if you'd like early access to that, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And of course, after our finale, we will have our standard three week break, meaning if you are a Patreon, you will still get a Dark Bites episode each and every week. Please keep all of your experiences coming in to contact at thedarkparanormal.com and I'll speak to you through the week for a mini-sode before we reach our finale and Emma's email. Until then, thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here on your show. And until next time, remember, when you're talking about the paranormal, always Try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.